1: This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, reporter Don Vaughn and News & Observer politics intern Kyle Ingram take a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of July 11, 2022. For the News & Observer, this is Don Vaughn, your host for Under the Dome for the week of July 11, 2022. I'm here with Kyle Ingram. We're going to talk about a couple different things going on in North Carolina politics that are looking ahead to the midterm elections. Those are several months away, but it doesn't mean that campaigning hasn't started yet. Uh, One big thing that's been going on and is, is still a factor in upcoming midterms is the Green Party wanting to be on the ballot. So Kyle has written several stories about it and it's an ongoing story. So maybe for those who aren't familiar, can you kind of tell us where we are with things and then kind of look into what this means?
2: Of course. Yeah, I, I really don't think we expected the Green Party to be taking up so much of the political news in North Carolina lately, but that's where we're at. Uh, they're a progressive third party. Um, they had did not have official certification here in North Carolina, so they've been running a petition campaign to try and get on the ballot for the midterms. And uh, they had a very uh, contentious uh, process with the State Board of Elections trying to get that certification through. Uh, the state board met last week and cited uh, allegations of fraud. And for that reason, they denied their certification, although they reported having more than the required signatures needed to be on the ballot. So since then, uh, we've been looking further into, uh, you know, the state board's reasoning for this. um, And we found that some pretty powerful democratic forces have been involved in uh, trying to get the Green Party certification denied. Uh, They sort of See the Green Party is a potential to take away votes from them as Democrats, considering their platforms are somewhat similar. Uh, so we saw the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, for example, texting signatories of the Green Party's petition, asking them to revoke their signatures. And uh, we even saw a national law firm, the Elias Group, which whose founder has been involved with Hillary Clinton and John Kerry, uh, has been submitting complaints to the state board, uh, showing evidence of potential fraud. So, those are all things that came into play before the state board made their decision.
1: So, looking at um, North Carolina, you know, unaffiliated voters are the largest group. It doesn't mean that they don't have a partisan leaning. It's just they don't belong to a party. But when you look at the specific numbers, there, you know, Democrats have an edge on Republican as far as being registered. And of course, unaffiliated bigger than than both of them, but a lot of our elections are down to like a very few percentage points here and there. So does that seem to be the political calculus with the Democrats, with what they've tried and brought the National Party you know, uh, factor into because they're worried about, uh, about those few percentage points that the Green Party could take?
2: I think that's exactly what the Democrats are worried about. Um, national yeah. media outlets, national political analysts have already started to say that North Carolina's Senate race is going to be one of the most competitive. And I think that they're worried about any single percentage point that could be taken from them by any other party.
1: So tell us about trying to get comments from Democrats and how, <laughs> I know that other political reporters have also had the same thing with, with their coverage of this issue. So take us through what, uh, what it's been like trying to get a response to what's actually happening.
2: Here. Well, you know, you hear a lot of on background um yes. for, for things, uh, but sometimes you hear nothing. I've heard not a single thing from the Elias Group, uh, despite trying several avenues, many different people. There's nothing coming out of there. We've gotten a few statements from the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee that you can see in our websites, but they're pretty limited in scope.
1: So what do you think this, what should people be watching for, I guess, as as this continues, both in what this very specifics of the Green Party, but also how... Democrats are going to handle this and and what Republicans think about this, too.
2: Well, I really don't think the Green Party is going to give up on this without a fight. You know, the candidate filing deadline has passed, but it's not clear to us yet whether that's something that could be uh, changed by a court. And uh, they've indicated they're seeking all possible recourse at this time. So I think we could definitely see uh, a lawsuit coming out of this.
1: So litigation is always a part of... uh... Any sort of uh, election year, I'd say, all years really related. So, well, speaking of election year, uh, this this past week, uh, Governor Roy Cooper, who's a Democrat, uh, held uh, an event that um, at the mansion, a press conference where he was surrounded by uh, a bunch of women, women lawmakers and candidates, and it was about abortion rights and really Cooper's main tool that he has as governor as far as making sure laws don't change in the state is his veto power, which he ha- has been able to hold on to and veto many bills during his his time as governor. And the Republicans' majority legislature in both chambers haven't been able to successfully overturn them since they lost the supermajority. So the supermajority is the three-fifths of the um, how many lawmakers vote, and that number can change depending on who's on the floor at the time. There are uh, more in the House, fewer in the Senate. So really, Cooper, he signed an executive order that does some things that already exist, like there's already an existing law that you can't prevent people from going into healthcare sites. So he's like talking with um, local law enforcement about reminding them of that because of, you know, related to protests at abortion clinics. And saying that he won't help any other states who want to, um, basically extradite, or um, unless there's like some other law that that over um, supersedes that, um, as far as people that that come here for um, for abortion care, uh, North Carolina's law at the, at the current time is that. Um, there are a few other factors, but it's, it's 20 weeks. Although, again, we you just mentioned litigation and lawsuits and the courts, and and that you know could change depending on on how that's enforced um, this year. But the main thing that, that Cooper emphasized, and the reason he had this crowd of supporters there, was that he's trying to get other Democrats elected to the legislature to prevent them from or re- prevent Republicans from having the supermajority that they would need to make, um, make bills become law without um, without Cooper say so. So that was a, one other thing looking at midterms this year, um, you know, as a government building, and he brought in people who aren't lawmakers. It's interesting how politicians sometimes will say, like if somebody was at an event or wasn't at an event, it's because, you know, are they actually a serving lawmaker, are they a candidate? You know, there are questions about, uh, you know, Biden and Harris's visits where um, was you know, Senate candidate Sherry Beasley there or not? And why wasn't she there or not? And they're like, well, was she actually in office now? And do you only invite the sitting lawmakers or not? And this is kind of inside baseball, but it was interesting to note that you know there were um, lawmakers, current lawmakers like Senator Batch and Cooper Suggs, but also um, former House member Christy Clark was there, who's running again, and then. Several women that are running in um, competitive districts. I guess really every district is competitive this election year. So obviously abortion is a factor in um, a lot of voters' minds. Not all voters. So we'll see what um, how much of a you know impact that has on on turnout or anything else. Which probably explains why the. Green Party and whether or not they take any votes from Democrats is, is why they're up to something, why the Democrats are up to something.
2: How Republicans indicated what they would do with the supermajority if they got it and they could overturn the governor's veto?
1: Well, so right when the short session started, uh, we asked really once everybody knew that like Roe versus Wade, you know, overturning was coming, but hadn't actually come yet. We asked House Speaker Moore on that very first day. What his plans were, and he laid out what I was just saying about a supermajority of that. Are they going? Are Republicans going to put forth any new legislation around abortion? And he said, "Well, we don't have supermajorities, and whatever we do, Cooper is just going to veto. So essentially, what is what's the point if it's if it's not going to go anywhere? They've done that before in the past, and it's you know messaging bills where you're letting your constituents know, letting everybody know that this is our legislative priority." Kind of, you know, on a completely different issue, the way like Medicaid expansion, they each pass their own bill. It's like, this is what we want to do. And the chambers will do that to kind of show what they want and just get it out there. So really Republicans kind of put a bill out there, even knowing that Cooper is going to veto it to show North Carolinians, this is what we want to do when we have the power, but they decided not to. I mean, part of it, whatever calculus that was, it was a you know a very short time for the short session. They actually ended more or less on time. So, But is it coming next year? Yeah. Are they going to have a super majority next year? We don't know yet. So obviously, that'll be a factor in play.
2: So we know that the budget has gone to Cooper, but what other bills are we waiting to see from him?
1: So a whole slew of them. And he's already signed some this past week. And a significant one was something that I've been following that, that changes the law not as much as... Some advocates wanted, but, but some, and it's kind of a better than nothing. Uh, so apparently, like this is already existing, that um, if somebody has a um, sexual assault forensic exam, which is also known as a rape kit in a hospital medical provider, you don't, you don't charge them for it. So the Department of Public Safety pays for it. But it turns out that it looks like dozens of hospitals were billing the survivors and the insurance companies for it. And part of it, knowing like what are the exact numbers, did they actually do this, is there was no unifying code that's like, this is what this is, you need to send this to Department of Public Safety, and if you do it anyway, we're gonna give you a big fine. So that's what was in a House bill that passed. So what came up in the Senate, in a different bill, part of a different bill, and this is the one that Cooper signed into law, uh, there is no financial penalty for people that, that do it, but it's against the law. So you could obviously have, again, everything circles back to litigation like that coming as a result. And it raises the amount that the companies are, um, are reimbursed for, um, for these different related costs with the forensic exam. So that's a significant um, bill that, that's now in law. A lot of other minor bills that, that Cooper has on his desk. Um, some about alcohol, some about variety things. There's a regular Tory reform bill. There's um, just there's an ice bill which he's like clearly uh, going to veto just looking at at what he's done in the past. So all of that big flurry at the end of session also sent a lot of stuff Cooper's way. So as you're listening to this, like all all of those bills are going to need to have some sort of action by him because we're coming up, if you're listening to this on Monday, on the 10th day of since session ended. And if that's when bills were sent to him, it's time to take some sort of action. So we'll be watching for that and other stuff. And we'll be right back with Headliner of the Week.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
1: And we're back with Headliner of the Week, everyone's favorite segment. So Kyle, who or what is your Headliner of the Week?
2: My headliner for this week is Matthew Ho. Uh, Matthew Ho was meant to be the Green Party's candidate for U.S. Senate, and it appears those hopes are dashed, at least for now, by the denial of the party certification, but who knows what could happen with litigation in this state. But regardless of that, uh, he's become he's really raising his national profile at this moment and campaigning quite heavily off of the Democrats' involvement in the certification process. And whether that can translate into any political movement on his part at this juncture isn't clear, but he's definitely making a name for himself.
1: And probably more headlines,
2: for
1: sure, right? so, Well, my, my headliner of the week, last week, uh, my headliner was the calendar because lawmakers actually more or less stuck to it. This time it's somewhat related about time. This is about a clock because uh, Governor Cooper likes to run out the clock on things, which is what I was referencing about um, what he has to do with what's on his desk. So basically the way it works in North Carolina is if a bill is sent to the governor he or she has 10 days to either sign the bill, veto the bill, or if you don't do anything, you let it become law without your signature. And I asked Cooper about this. It was the abortion rights presser that he had. And I asked about the the budget. And he said, as you know, you know these are my three options. So I'm like, does that mean he's running out the clock? That when you listen to this, we'll find out because that's like the end of the clock and time's up. So and then we'll find out about the status of those other bills too. So my headliner of the week is a clock, running out the clock and legislation. So all right, well, for the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn with Kyle Ingram. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at Newsobserver.com subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at Newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.